hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Welcome to a Halloween edition of the British Wrestling Experience. I'm your host, Martin Bushby, and joining me is Ollie Court and Richard Benson, a.k.a. Benno. And, uh, yeah, noted there right at the top, it's a Halloween edition, uh, dropping on the 31st of October. And, Benno, let's get to you first. Any big plans for uh, Halloween this year? Uh, not really, to be honest. I'll be, we don't have many kids in our neighbourhood, so I know every year I get a load of sweets in. And then no one ever knocks on the door, and it's great. I just get to eat them all. So that's kind of my plan. Uh, I'm not hiding the head now, so anywhere or anything might stay in much Halloween or Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something like that. Uh, I don't know. How about yourselves? That sounds like a plan. I mean, but Ali, is uh, Halloween a big thing on your calendar? I know it's more of an American thing, isn't it, rather than for us <laughs> Brits, really? Well, uh, my girlfriend, who's Welsh, so maybe it's a, a Welsh thing, <laughs> but oh. Halloween's a big thing. But yeah, she's big into the Halloween, so I've been carving pumpkins over the weekend uh and we're gonna have you know we've got a display in the window so i don't know if any children do come trick-or-treating we'll be adequately prepared for them we've got some people coming around for like some horror films carving pumpkins a few drinks but i mainly did my uh, halloween uh, themed thing last week i went to thought park for their scare fest there were a lot of uh oh, yeah. walking dead themed horror mazes <laughs> and uh no matter how many times i go in there and i'm like yeah they're only actors they're performers and yeah. then as soon as someone jumps out of me i'm like you know out of my skin i don't know why it's always always happens to me at these things much to my wife's amusement so yeah, yeah that's i was pretty running good. away from a man with a tra- chainsaw on saturday <laughs> <laughs> care to uh <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't an act it was just you know that's how I live my life. <laughs> <laughs> you go to some weird wrestling, you, Ollie. Was that like a death match or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, Angel uh, Group's getting at me. The World Series just finished. I know you were big into your uh, MLB this year, Ollie. Yeah, I, I've suddenly become a baseball fan. And yeah, <laughs> the, the fact that the Brewers weren't in it sort of dampened my spirits a bit. Um, but yeah, I'm just happy Manny Machado got absolutely served on the final pitch. Uh, which was uh, very well-earned and very karmic for him. So I suppose we'd best get into some wrestling, haven't we? And uh, like I noted at the start, since this episode drops on Halloween, we thought we'd take a look at the sixth annual Goosebumps show by Attack Pro Wrestling. And uh, I mean, this is our first time really talking about Attack um, promotion formed in 2011. And uh, they mainly run events in Wales and the southwest area of England. And this promotion running part by Pete Dunne, Chris Brooks and Mark Andrews. And uh, they've really made a name for themselves by putting on shows that are quite different to other British wrestling promotions. They're, uh, I'd say they're very similar in style and tone to the likes of DDT in Japan and uh, and Chikara. And uh, they have lots of wacky characters and uh, uh, characters that some people who haven't seen Attack before might know. is uh, people like the Anti-Fun Police uh, were first thought up in Attack and uh, other wrestlers are gone on to bigger things uh cut their teeth here such as nixon newell and uh as i noted there pete dunn and it's definitely a place where wrestlers can explore their creative side isn't it ollie 
Yeah, as you mentioned, it's sort of like a proving ground in Brickress, and we've sort of seen a lot of the more overacts, such as the anti-fun police, um, sort of get booked in bigger places, um, with or without explanation as to their characters bearing <laughs> on <laughs> the promotion. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a place where you kind of want to be if you are a younger wrestler who's looking for bookings, because you can, you know, get in with those guys, as you mentioned, and, um, you know explore your gimmicks a bit more in an environment where it, they won't just get shot down immediately by <laughs> heckling fans <laughs> so yeah it's it's definitely a positive promotion in britress um so like the quality of the shows does vary usually you're in for a good time but like as you say it is sort of a place where guys are experimenting more than they are fully complete so you do sort of have, it's not really a trainee show but it's sort of like two steps up from there it's not quite um like a progress or a rev pro main show where it's like full-on excellence <laughs> throughout um it's still guys finding their feet but i mean these guys are very good and you know we saw some decent stuff from them here so this is sort of like a, a scouting the future show almost but with wacky halloween character gimmicks <laughs> yeah they kind of they get more coverage don't they than like their size maybe would you yeah. would expect you know for what they draw and for how much they get watched i think it's maybe just the fact that it's a that it's a fun place that like you said name guy can go to have fun but also because they've got that unique selling points that they're, they're different aren't they there's a indies are kind of 10 a penny in the uk and you know you get there's plenty of places mm-hmm. that draw better than attack but attack kind of keep their i don't know keep their head above water and keep attention on them by being so unique and doing something that some other promotions do attempt to copy sometimes but they're very much like a, a unique entity aren't they in the uh, in the in the brit res world yeah they definitely are and they have a lot of different theme shows and uh, this is one of the most popular ones isn't it goosebumps the halloween one um, you see wrestlers from the european scene dressing up for the evening uh, past shows uh, memorable ones have seen marty scale as alex from a clockwork orange pete dunn as the joker and then uh, nixon newell or tegan knox as she is now as harley quinn and um, focus isn't really on match quality but being creative and having a laugh basically and uh, this year's goosebumps show seemed to be no different it was on the 14th of October at the Trinity Centre in Bristol and uh, we saw highlights from the show saw Martin Kirby's Uncle Fester Team White Wolf as the Spanish Inquisition from Monty Python Hunter Brothers as the Monsters from The Grudge and uh, my personal favourite was Spike Trevay as a uh, Dancing Queen Prime Minister Theresa May and uh, yeah like I noted there there's not really something you go into discussing the match in depth just more the uh, fun characters and uh, sort of themes of the show isn't it ollie yeah i mean definitely obviously the the selling point of the show was the 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 wacky stuff with the spanish inquisition and Theresa may and all the pictures going around the twitter timeline like that was all very good fun i I will say there was like a a through fair of story in the show though um obviously their big angle right now is um bolarama having split up um splits mcpins betrayed by the rechristened lk messenger um lk standing for lloyd cat which i didn't even realize until like (laughs) two weeks ago (laughs) but yeah um so that's sort of like their main feud right now in this story this this uh feud um permeated through the show um with mesinger winning in the first match and then splits mcpins beating mesinger's uh nothing to prove partner uh drew parker in the main event so I, i thought that was a good idea to keep the the wackiness at least controlled by by that story and i think the nothing to prove heel group yeah it's another brit rest heel group (laughs) they're ten a penny 
but I, they do have a uniquely attacky vibe to them, I guess because it's made up of guys who aren't used everywhere else, like Messenger, like Elijah. Um, they can do different things to what you've seen before in places like Progress and RevPro, and it's where Chuck Mambo is at his best, as the, the formerly known as Lovemaking Demon, where he's taunting the fans, wearing the mask on his on his knee and stuff. It's It's good stuff from him, and better than what he's doing anywhere else, I feel, because he has that character to sink his teeth into. Um, so there is some good stuff there that is grounded in more serious stuff as well as uh, the wacky dress-up. I mean, you just mentioned him there, Chuck Mambo. Obviously, he's known as the fun-loving, sort of beach ball-carrying character, surfer dude in, in a lot of promotions, but it's quite interesting they're doing something different with him in here in Attack. Mm-hmm. You know, he got an amazing heel promo that, you know, went quite viral, a lot of people watching it around Twitter. And, uh, yeah, so interest, quite interesting they're doing something different here. But um, as a whole, how is this show for you, Benno? I know, like I know, there's not much to, to sort of sink your teeth into other than the uh, sort of, like, wacky characters and and gimmicks yeah i'd say it was an easy watch i mean it only runs about an hour and a half doesn't it on vimeo mm. um i did feel i mean like ollie was saying there you know having that through line of the nothing to prove stable it makes sense from a story point of view i found it a bit of a tough watch having four of those matches yeah, on the definitely. same show like hearing, about, hearing that stinger of the song <laughs> like yeah again and again you thought it might never end <laughs> yeah it was, a, it was a bit much really but you know i think this was a show as well i think it was taking place at the same time as nxt uk tapings on i think RevPro are the show on this day as well so plenty of you know names that you mentioned earlier martin plenty of those names notable missing which kind of meant that you got you know, someone like a Drew Parker taking the opportunity to be, you know, in a main event. Um, it's interesting to see him featured. Uh, all in all, I thought it was, again, easy watch, enjoyable show. But yeah, I don't think that a huge amount to, to write home about match-wise. Like Ollie said earlier, a lot of it is, you know, wrestlers finding their feet, getting, you know, the love-making demon kind of chuck mambo evil zombie character like on this show it's it, that's very experimental but like you just said there martin it gives a a chance to see someone like chuck mambo do something different and that was kind of my highlight from watching the show just seeing that matches match with with martin kirby getting to see mambo be just a bit more mean and you know hitting crazy things like double stomps on the apron and just having that extra I don't know, that extra bit of meanness about him that you don't see. I'm not a huge fan of the, the babyface Chuck Mambo character, so this, for me, was a bit of an, an eye-opener to get to see him Definitely. doing something different. Being in there with Martin Kirby as well, who's just a, a great babyface. Who, yeah, it's good to see him in a, in a promotion like this and, and getting some press. Um, yeah, I'd say that that was kind of my main takeaway from the show, was, was that match, getting to see Chuck Mambo and you know getting to see Drew Parker in a main event, which was... You know, the match with split split pins that uh, Ollie just mentioned. Very much a, a Drew Parker showcase with chair battles and tables and, and your normal kind of wild brawl that you get from Drew Parker. Maybe not entirely typical typical of attack. But again, where else would I get to see Drew Parker in, in that position? Where else would I get to see Chuck Mumbo in, in that character? So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's nice to see maybe the, the other side of, of Brit Res sometimes and get to see something a bit more experimental and, and see these guys, these younger guys, find their feet in a in a very, very welcoming atmosphere that they, uh, they have in attack. And also, um, sorry, Martin, in, in an age where these big shows are going like three hours, four hours plus, mm. 
it's <laughs> quite relieving to look at the the progress bar and see that there's only you know 60 minutes left in the show or whatever and you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're not being like oh there's a bunch of other stuff i could be doing and getting d- distracting yourself i was like you know i had a cider in one hand just enjoying myself watching some campy bollocks <laughs> you know it was good fun and sometimes those bigger shows can definitely drag and not feel as fun as this one did so in, in just in terms of brevity i thought <laughs> it yeah. had one up on, it always helps uh, doesn't it I, and of, even like you know, to that shows. point as well you know having daft matches like the four-way you know you mentioned before you know having spike trevay out there at threes of may and just a, a daft four-way where there's a lot of comedy in it you can be sat there having a drink and just relax and watching it it's not heavy duty is it you know yeah. if you if you got up to get yourself another drink you wouldn't be hugely fuming that you missed a couple of mm. seconds of it it's an easy watch it's not you know particularly intensive to watch uh to watch attack it just it gives you something uh, a little bit different than the uh the intense three or four hour experience you might get from other indies yeah definitely so uh yeah they they i'm not sure if they've got a sort of like streaming service on pivot share but um most of their shows are on on vimeo and like we noted there they're quite short and quite fun to watch and, and you don't have to sort of like really concentrate on them so definitely a, a promotion worth checking out but moving away from attack now and on to revolution pro wrestling and their recent tv tapings premiered on free sports as world of pro wrestling on friday the 19th of october and Highlights from the first episode were a, a cracking opener between Chris Bucks and Justin Liger, and and then the best match we've seen so far between Zack Sabre Jr. and Kushida, and then episode two saw the return of former Shag tag team partners Greg Burridge and Colt Cabana as they faced off, and then uh, and then it was headlined by El Fantasmo taking on Chris Brooks. I mean. Lots to discuss about these first two episodes of World of Pro Wrestling. Uh, the commentary by Kevin Kelly and Andy Boy Simmons. The explanation of the wrestling rules at the start of each episode. <laughs> I mean, Ollie, we've had a, a number of UK TV products in 2018, from World of Sport to NXT UK. And what were your thoughts on this one? Oh, it's it's an absolute joy. <laughs> <laughs> it's It feels like a TV show that has sort of been tailor-made for me and my ilk. You know, the, the for, for for better or for worse, that I'm for better for me, but maybe for worse for the ratings, which we'll probably get to. Um, but yeah, just such an enjoyable hour that that first week. Um, you know, two lengthy matches where the camera cuts weren't zooming about everywhere. I mean, this show should probably give give um a, a round of applause to World of Sport for making it look so much better <laughs> than maybe it was, but like compared to World of the Sport, this was just absolutely fantastic to see. But like wrestling can be put on TV and be shown as legitimate and sports esque, um, but still retain its wrestlingness, um, which I really enjoyed. I mean, I basically put like did a fist pump when I saw um the rules of pro wrestling at the start because <laughs> it was exactly the same way they present UFC pay per views mm. with the commentators standing ringside and then going to the, the pre-tape with the rules. And, you know, it that's how it should be. That's how that's how sports are shown. They tell you how it's played before. Obviously not football, because everyone knows football, but, like, if it's a more obscure sport, they have to give you the rules beforehand. And I just thought that was such a, a good way of catching people up, like my parents who were watching it with me. And, yeah, it just makes all the sense in the world. And just again and again things made sense on the show but the bit i was worried about that might not deliver was when after the great okan squash they threw to sort of the segment bit of the show 
but the segments were really good too. Um, you know, they they weren't naff at all. Um, they weren't embarrassing. They weren't, you know, rocking the boat or, you know, doing anything we haven't ever seen before. But it got Colt Cabana's character across. It got Shaw Samuels' character across and did it in a way that wasn't absolutely dorky. <laughs> <laughs> so I really enjoyed that. Second week, obviously, a bit of a step down just owing to the quality of the matches on it. But it was st- it was still a good watch. Um, you still had, you know, lengthy matches that were allowed to breathe like they weren't just cutting and editing and giving you instant replays every five seconds so it was still enjoyable and it still has my attention for week three uh so it's already doing better than world of sport um <laughs> in my mind at least i think they've had that benefit haven't they have been able to learn from world of sport mm, and learn yeah. the, <laughs> the mistakes and you know i think the the rules maybe came off i thought at first is this a bit hokey and then i thought no same as you you know this is it's being very much presented as a in a way that new people could come in, come in and and make sense of it and understand it, and that was the problem with ITV. You know, the fa- the very first match was a a multi man that nobody understood, and I think they've taken that step back to to yeah to say okay yeah we're going to get a lot of wrestling fans watching it, but we want you know people to understand what this is. We want it to be easy to understand, as you just said, Ollie. You want there to be you know there's only it looks three matches a show seems to be the rule here they're giving everything time to breathe they're establishing rules they're establishing characters and they're establishing the, their own little universe as well um again i i don't know if this is very much a show for you know and i think sports fans are, it feels more sports orientated i couldn't see it working five o'clock on itv every saturday uh, i'd be willing to take the gamble but i think that's a they've, le- they've leaned into the positives of where they are it does feel it feels very euro sport it feels very you know yeah, yeah. old like new japan what it would show up on euro sport and things like that you know getting to see an international wrestling product it's british wrestling but like you said, they're using Cabana as the British style legend, which works for me. You know, he knows the style uh, and he's very good at it, but also using, you know, a lot of New Japan talent. The fact that Kashida, Jushin Lager, even Rapongi 3K come across as stars. And I think that's important to kind of make it feel like a legitimate sporting program. You've got Japanese talent, you've got Americans, you've got Canadians. I just think all in all, yeah, the, I think that the concept is a is a really good one. Um, and yeah, it's definitely a, a, a real breath of fresh air compared to yeah, the some of the mistakes that, are, that ITV made, that's for sure. Yeah, and they've got a lot of good things moving forward. Obviously, they've set Chris Brooks up as the sort of lead heel of the program. El Fantasmo as, you know, the uh, babyface. We also saw the start of their tag team tournament with the winners getting a shot of the Red Pro belts. We had a... Mm-hmm. We, we had Rapongi 3K against H, HC, and... Um, the only thing, I mean, they they did a good job with the Colt Cabana packages and stuff, but there were still some bits where I thought, I mean, when they, when Kevin Kelly was ringside with Dan McGee, that was really awkward until Shaw Samuels <laughs> came and saved it. It was a bit, uh, yeah, that one was a bit awkward. But yeah, as a whole, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's been a, a, a great couple of episodes so far. And it, like you say, Ollie, it certainly piques your interest for the uh, for the future shows. I mean, obviously the spoils are out there if you want to get them, but I've not, I've not really been looking into it. So I'll be interested see what they do and obviously they're setting up something with Ridgeway and Sabre Jr so that's something to look forward to down mm. the pipeline of the of the episodes I think there's a lot of that isn't there there's a lot of things where they're kind of you, you, we got a lot of you know, Shaw Samuels watching a 
monitor backstage or like you say the things like just little things to kind of build week on week to mm. make you interested and make you want to come back the second week i kind of laughed at the end of episode two it felt like there was a very phoned in kevin kelly oh next week we've got this match coming up kind of uh, mm. dubbed audio that was definitely very dubbed but i love that they're doing that as well yeah that the establishing these characters establishing these mini feuds and establishing yeah some really really unique talent as well who thought we'd get lord gideon gray on the tv or you know Shaw samuels in a much presentation better presentation than what itv have done i just think the the way they're using the characters and the way they're putting those feuds together and and giving you reasons to watch next week it's all it's all stuff that you should take for granted with wrestling but it's the simple stuff that can easily be forgotten and it's good that they're uh, they are getting all that mm. stuff right and it's it's not to the detriment of a wrestling either it's not mm. distracting yourself from a wrestling it's still a presentation of wrestling a, a wrestling show and not just mm. a show that happens the main events some they're going without ads aren't they they're going completely oh, in, yeah, un- uninterrupted given time <laughs> it's a wrestling show that's not ashamed of being a wrestling show but it seems, yeah, I mean, you know about the ratings earlier, Ollie. I mean, we've got to remember, first of all, this is on free sports, and I know it is available in a lot of homes, but it doesn't necessarily mean a lot of people are going to be watching it. But, um, yeah, it looks like um, sort of like 7,000 or less, Benno, from the uh, from the graph that came out earlier this week. Yeah, it's hard to say with free sports, because, I mean, that sounds terrible, and it is terrible, but mm. I think the, the most watched program had only done about 16,000. So for free sports, that might not be that terrible. Um, so this is the the top fifteen on the Bar website, and free, this show is just is outside of the top fifteen. The fifteenth doing seven thousand, so we can just assume it's in that range. Not great, uh, especially when I think PCW on that that new fight network apparently did sixteen thousand last week for their show. Um, but it's difficult, isn't it, when it's small. Small networks like this, it all it takes is one person with a bar box, and they count as several thousand people. So maybe there's there's one Rev Pro fan sat, sat somewhere watching this show every week, and God help us if he doesn't tune in. Um, but you tend to see with with channels like this, like what used to happen with the wrestling channel as well. I don't know how much close attention they pay to those numbers. They use all the metrics, and yeah, free sports. You know, again, it's not it's not like their other shows are doing hundreds of thousands. So. While maybe it's a disappointment that that Rev Pro went, you know, in their top fifteen, uh, again, you know, I wouldn't have expected them to do a huge amount better. Um, and again, it's a it's a very much a fledgling network, so I think they'll be they were happy with five stars. So hopefully, they're going to con- continue to to stick with and be happy with this world of wrestling product. Yeah, because it's not even their main thing, though, is it? Premier Sports is the parent company of Free Sports, and that's the main channel, is uh, Premier Sports, and that's where they... Because obviously their main thing currently is rugby and ice hockey, and obviously all the NHL and the main British ice hockey games are on Premier Sports, and then they'll have some free stuff on Free Sports, so it's not even the main channel for Premier, is it? Exactly, yeah. So it's not going to be a a huge concern, and it's going to be... It's a, it's a channel again that they're going to be trying to build um, over the long term. So hopefully, yeah, if if RevPro keeps giving you know critically acclaimed uh, TV like this, hopefully the the viewers will uh, will follow at some point. The main takeaway I had is how popular Afghan cricket is. <laughs> they're, they're loving it. <laughs> yeah, they, some of the sports do see like uh, what was it Swedish ice hockey as well or something. So. Yeah, it seems uh, like quite a mixed bag of sports on there. But uh, moving away from the TV tapings, uh, Red Pro also held their annual Global Wars show on the 14th of October at the Rec Centre in Brixton, London. And uh, before we get into any of the matches, this was a new venue for Red Pro with their usual 
go-tos of York Hall and Walthamstow Assembly Halls unavailable. So basically they had to use this, and how do you think it looked as a venue on the VOD, Ollie? Yeah, it had a bit of a problem with uh, visible basketball hoops um, <laughs> and a kind of low lighting as well. I felt like it, it didn't maybe didn't look as good, certainly not as York Hall, but maybe even a, another venue. Um, so yeah, I wasn't too big on it. And some of the other production things like sort of the, the low entranceway, um, I know I noticed that they used Suzuki's old theme. They didn't have the new Kazuni Nare on <laughs> on the record player, um, which OTT did um, the, the same weekend. So read into that what you will. But yeah, just kind of stuff like that sort of did bring it down in my estimation. Any thoughts on this new venue for Red Pro, Benno? Uh, I kind of just hope they don't go back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, I think it looked worse in the photos than it did actually watching the VOD. Like Ollie just said, the basketball board does give memories of, uh, of mid-2000s indies. You don't go back to, want to go back to those days. But I think it was a necessity, wasn't mm-hmm. it? I think they just it was the only venue they could get. Yeah. So they went with the uh, the Brixton Rec Centre. Uh, I can't see them, them going back unless they, they absolutely have to. So I suppose long term, it won't hugely matter. So the show's uh, fairly old now, a few weeks old, especially in BritRest with everything moving so quickly. But the main draw and highlight of this show was a rematch for the Red Pro British Heavyweight title between Minoru Suzuki and Tomohiro Ishii. And me and Benno saw this one live in Manchester at the Strong Style Evolved shows. And uh, I've got to say, the first match just slightly edges it for me. Obviously, that's coming completely with the live bias there. But this was another mm-hmm. hard-hitting, brutal main event that uh, saw Ishii picking up the win in the heavyweight title here, Ollie. Yeah, I thought this was tremendous, actually. Um, and was all ready to give it sort of match of the weekend honours before about <laughs> two-thirds of the way through the OTT <laughs> show. Um, and yeah, just, I mean... There's not even really a lot to say about it. It's just two guys absolutely going hell for leather at, at each other. I did like that they sort of broke the match apart into different sections with, you know, they had the crowd brawling, which Suzuki loves to do, and get people involved, stealing chairs with Andy Quilden, lamenting that he, like, hired them out and he didn't want any of them to break. <laughs> um, that, that Like, Suzuki's great at creating that sort of chaos and then bringing it back into the ring and just bringing the strikes, bringing the pain. And that's what people want to see. Um, and yeah, just a fantastic closing stretch as well, which I thought put it above the previous match, which was more just on the star power alone. Whereas I thought this was, you know, they were going overtime here to <laughs> produce a great match, probably because they know it's in canon and <laughs> they're going to be repeating the match um, in a couple of days time at Power Struggle. So it is very important for these guys. I mean, for, they're probably not going to be anywhere on the Wrestle Kingdom card. So for all intents and purposes, this is, you know, their biggest match for the next few months. So they were really going at it to make sure it was really good. And they're going to hope that they can move up the card a little bit after Wrestle Kingdom and get some love um, from Get Over. Because, I mean, they deserve it after these series of matches. And I'm sure they'll deliver one more time a power struggle in Japan. Mm. Yeah, I think that's going to be interesting. How that? I mean, Rev Pro are in a weird position right now. It seems to almost be a trade-off. I mean, we didn't get any Suzuki title defenses, but we're getting a rematch, a power struggle with the Rev Pro belt on there. So, you know, that's that's good limelight for Rev Pro, and uh, yeah, I suppose it makes it worth it in the in the in the long run. Uh, as far as the, I mean, the matches, the 
comparing the matches go, I kind I think I probably could be live bias as well, Mark. And I think I'd probably go mm. with the Manchester match just above. Uh, I was certainly thinking that throughout, but then when they did get to that, the big strike exchange in the middle and t- towards the end with, you know, Suzuki playing towards the crowd and and trying to grab the Gotch Prowl driver and. <laughs> she coming back with this hard lariats and I was kind of getting pulled right into it again, thinking actually, yeah, maybe this is as good as, as the Manchester match. Maybe we're splitting hairs. I think they're both, they're both oh, up yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. And they're both, you know, the fact that again, RevPro get to have a big match like this, a match that as is proven with power struggle would belong on any big new Japan card. Uh, it stood out head and shoulders above anything else on the show. It was completely different than anything else on the show as well so i thought that that really helped it as well and yeah despite my maybe misgivings about what the venue looked like when the, the photos started coming through and maybe in the early portions of this show it delivered a big atmosphere for this match of suiting of the match as well so i think it all uh, all kind of worked out in the end well something uh, you brought up there ben and i noticed uh, you wrote about it on twitter the other week saying that you know if new japan pulled out with red pro who would their headliners be so that's an interesting discussion to get in there i suppose yeah like you say we didn't really get any suzuki title defenses but you know he certainly appeared for the promotion a lot i mean ollie i mean you know looking at red pro from you know a non-new japan perspective do you think they've got um, a lot in their arsenal when uh, these new japan names aren't appearing yeah. on the card well, I think um, this show is particularly bad for that because it was the Global mm-hmm. Wars show, and I think it's probably time to retire the Global Wars concept because three years ago it was obviously amazing that they were bringing over 11 New Japan guys or whatever, and you know it was a whole new thing. Like They'd only been bringing them over one or two at a time, but now they're so embedded in RevPro, you know, they're the champion, like, champions and Ishii and Suzuki feuding over the title. Um you just don't need a show like this. And it, it was kind of to the detriment of the show's quality, but that just every single match was new Japan guys and they had to protect them. And, you know, it just felt a bit, a bit like a, just an exhibition and none of it really mattered at times. Mm-hmm. There, there have been other times this year where I've been very bullish over the Rev Pro roster and you look at the TV show and you see guys, you know, who are homegrown, who are standing out or at least, you know, looking on par with, um, with, with, with the imports. And they've got Chris Brooks as well. And I hope they can recapture the lightning they had with him, the lightning in a bottle after his, uh, you know, Independence Day speech um, a few months ago. You know, there was a real, you know, groundswell after that. But then all they've really done with him is put him against New Japan guys who he's <laughs> summarily lost to. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, after this show, I was not feeling too great about RevPro's prospects. Um, you know, they had that main event and also the great Okan versus Rishi Ghosh match <laughs> properly thumbs up for me. I really enjoyed, uh, Okan Ghosh and that that's technically two ref pro homegrown guys, um, with like a, a long-term feud there with Gideon gray involved. And that was really awesome. The dynamic that they played off of each other and the dynamic that Gideon gray brought on the outside as well. It was, it was, you know, it got me, it got me emotional and it was like, Here's a comedy wrestler in the biggest match of his life fighting like hell. And it felt real. It felt <laughs> legit that Rishi Ghosh would be busting out crazy moves to try and impress, you know, the guy he's been pals with, fighting with for three and a half years or whatever. And that was really, really good. It's just a shame that pretty much the rest of the show was New Japan exhibition matches. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like 
it's the it, it's whether it's worth it for RevPro and so far with the relationship, it's absolutely been worth it. You know, we're talking about oh, yeah. a show with Ishi Suzuki on it, so I would yeah, still I'm say trying to complain about the New Japan relationship, I'd say it's still overall a positive. But it's a balanced thing, though, isn't it? creeping in more and more at this point. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a balanced thing, I think. And it's like you said, this a show like this when you advertise as Global Wars and you do Rev Pro versus New Japan matches, and then you have to put the majority of the New Japan talent over. It just isn't good optics, and it does those negatives do start to creep in. And yeah, I definitely wouldn't say the balance has been tipped at this point. But yeah, to go back to kind of what you said there, Martin. Yeah, if 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 New Japan did up sticks, got a relationship with somebody else, or just decided to launch New Japan UK, it it you know based on the current evidence, I think it would leave Rev Pro in a in a difficult position. Uh, luckily, I don't think we have to deal with that anytime soon. But I think yeah, it's now is the time. Like like Holly said, try and recapture something with Chris Brooks. It is a bit weird that he's a he's a heel on the TV, and he's kind of he was kind of a heel here with Naito, but. He does seem to be very much the the junior heel compared to the compared to the top heel of Naito. Although you know it did take uh, two Destinos for for Naito to put him away, so they gave him something. Um, but I mean, one positive I would say you know, it was part of that. My main positive of the undercard get uh, seeing Chris Ridgeway beat beat Osprey uh, again. I know. You know, a lot of matches, I suppose you can, you can count Osprey as the New Japan guy in the situation. And I think that kind of made it feel even bigger when, when Ridgeway got to beat him. Uh, and I think that's the stuff that you need. I think you need Ridgeway is the type of guy that I think Rev Pro could get behind. I think he fits better here than he does in progress. Maybe it's the emphasis on a, on very much an in-ring product in Rev Pro and maybe the combinations you could do with Ridgeway and some of that New Japan talent that really works for me. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, there was some negative in the booking and some predictability in the booking, but I did think that made it an even bigger moment when, when Ridgeway went over and it, it felt like a, you know, there was obviously the injury issue in that match as well with, with Osprey. But for me, that was a kind of a big positive of the day. And it was one of the, the better Ridgeway performances I've seen as well. So maybe, uh, maybe Rev Pro just need to do a, a little bit more of that stuff. Um, although again, it's a, it's a minor complaint when you, when you get main events like we got on this show. They seem to have three different worlds going on at once, don't they, Red Pro? They have these massive York Hall shows with these epic uh, Suzuki matches, and then sort of like they have their TV show, which seems to be its own separate world, and then uh, obviously the cockpit shows that sometimes do uh, filter onto the York Hall shows with, uh, you know, different levels of success. So it'll be interesting to see where they go in 2019, whether all these worlds are going to sort of like come into one thing. Does that make sense, what I'm saying there, Benno? Yeah, I think it does. I think the the TV, it's very much the, I mean, I followed Ring of Honor a lot in the mid-2000s, and their big problem was that when they got TV, but they were also running pay-per-views, they were still selling DVDs, and there were live events, and you had four different timelines. And I think with Rev Pro, you've kind of got that right now, but I suppose we don't know how long the free sports deal is going to even go. You know, this might just be a short-term thing, and then we're back to it just being, you know, cockpit and your call. But yeah, I'd agree. They do feel very much different. And a lot of the storytelling happens on the cockpit shows and a lot of the big matches happen on the, the York Hall type shows. And there is that that weird split. And I think having the, again, the, the negative of having the title on a New Japan guy means, well, they're not going to be working the cockpit, are they? And that does create a, a bit of distance as well. But I suppose it's all just a measure of, of whether it's worth it. And, you know, RevPro have had some a big few years on the back of that New Japan relationship. So I would say, say it is worth it. But, 
you know, maybe at some point they could build someone up like a Ridgeway or a Brooks or a David Starr who seems to be positioned right now to maybe be the guy uh, to maybe bridge that gap and, and you know, be and have the, the cockpit shows and the, and the bigger shows maybe tie together a, a bit more tightly uh, than, than the way it is now. But yeah, I think yeah, to your point, I think having the TV does complicate it as well. Um, but again, minor problems that I think I think can be sorted out um, just with yeah maybe straightening out a little bit of bit of the booking and yeah seeing uh, you know what they do with the titles going forward and and yeah how the how the stories do progress and how they they make sense of uh, of, of of some of the of where the titles have landed and and some of the feuds they've got running at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned him there. David Starr's been fantastic in Red Pro, hasn't he? Constantly going on about the conspiracies against him by the promoter Andy Quilden, and he's, he's you know been doing it on Twitter as well, constantly having a go at the promotion, and then he's, he's been great in these promos that he's been having as Cruiserweight champion. So, yeah, he's certainly someone that had a... I'd push in the future, and uh, Red Pro are going to be back at their usual home of York Hall on November the 9th for Uprising. That's going to feature Red Pro Cruiserweight Champion David Starr taking on maybe still heavyweight champion Tomohiro Ishii. You've got uh, Red Pro Tag Champ Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki taking on Aussie Open. El Desperado against El Fantasmo, Walter against Kojima, and Josh Bodum against Chris Ridgway. And uh, that looks like a hell of a lineup for Uprising there, Ollie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is maybe a, a better example of how RevPro can book without sort of giving it all away to New Japan. You know, they've built David Starr up really well against Ishii, and he's sort of the focus there, and Ishii's almost like the guy to overcome, even though Ishii would be the face in that scenario. Um, and obviously, um, Aussie Open being strong babyface favourites over uh, the Suzuki Gun team—that's a much better way of using the New Japan talents. Like, you know, they're big stars, they're draws, they're part of the scene, they're part of the promotion. They don't feel like just guests br- getting brought in and being, you know, completely off in their own world in that one match that they're in. They're part of the promotion, but they're not the only part of the promotion that they've got their own acts with their own personalities who the fans can root for or root against. Um, so I think that's a better example of how they're using that for good. Whereas the global wars concept, I think is just outdated to be honest, mm. because it's not what we're coming for anymore, especially with the, the closer relationship. I just don't think there's a need for those exhibition style shows anymore because uprising is proving that, you can put on a card with these New Japan guys and not have it feel really forced or just exhibition-y. Definitely. So also the same weekend as Global Wars, so uh, OTT in Ireland held their fourth anniversary show, um, a stacked card from top to bottom, as we've come to expect from the company, and uh, this was headlined by OTT champion Walter taking on Will Ospreay, and match was preceded by another great video package by Sean Ryan and the Crooked Gentleman crew, and uh, this continued the story of Walter's dominance of OTT, and Osprey using all his arsenal, even powerbombing the huge Austrian, but still coming up short and losing, and uh, Benno, you saw this match the other month for Defiant, I mean, this one was even better, wasn't it? The whole package beforehand, Osprey's comments about Walter and, and the atmosphere for the match were just incredible. That's it. I mean, that's a fight match was one I was, you know, enthusiastically telling everybody to watch. But if you stuck with time, watch this one instead. Um, I think the fight match kind of helped to lay the groundwork and let them have a, a match together. And it was a really, really great match. But yeah, you, you mentioned that this with the, the video package before it and the, 
you know, Osprey alluding to WWE and NXT and Walter using the OTT title as a bargaining chip was just all just so fantastic. And again, the atmosphere when they walked out there and the fact that this OTT crowd is just so desperate for for Walter to lose the belt now that he took it off for Jordan Devlin. Uh, I thought Osprey was just the perfect, you know, first challenger for Walter, the perfect person to to put in this slot and, and do this match and do something that I didn't think was maybe quite as good as the Devlin match, you know, just I mean, just to say though that Devlin match is probably my match of the year for Europe so far this year. So that's not that's not me uh, me damning it in any means. But if anybody could come up and deliver something that came close to it, I think putting Will Osprey in the match was just a an absolute stroke of genius. Because yeah, these two have just got so much great chemistry. Just you know, I think Osprey is such so underrated at selling and being that that underdog babyface, mm. and he just slotted in so perfectly, perfectly to what is kind of become the Walter match. You know, Walter being the the big bad in in every promotion, collecting belts at the moment, and and doing so in OTT as well, and being the man that the fans want to get beat. Uh, I just think, yeah, Osprey was absolutely perfect in the match. Walter was perfect in the match as well. Uh, and yeah, it just they delivered something really, really, really special. I mean, I I wasn't hugely into the ref bump stuff stuff at the end and Osprey threatening to use the belt. I suppose it maybe sold his desperation a little bit. Maybe that's the the key to why I'd have it. Maybe just a touch below the devil in match, but still something absolutely special. And again, yeah, just a a special presentation of a match that OTT have have gotten so good at at the moment as well. So yeah, even if I'm not saying it's my my match of the year, it's certainly if anyone said it was, I wouldn't argue with them. And it's again another you know good reason for people to to chase down the OTT VOD and and check it out because yeah, just absolutely special is probably the way for me with this. It's certainly up there, isn't it, Ollie? As one of the uh, top five matches of the year, I'd say this one. I'm I'm going the full five, the full punt <laughs> on this one, and it's it's only the second time I've done that for a match outside of New Japan, and the only wow. other one is Walter Ilya. I thought the at- the atmosphere and just the performance was on that level of just mm. supercharged ridiculousness. I mean, this this is like the high point of indie wrestling. O- OTT has found the secret formula for these indie main events, and they're using it terrifically well. As you say, the the, the package beforehand was absolutely fantastic in laying the groundwork, um, presenting that Devlin Walter fight as you know <laughs> just a huge legendary moment. <laughs> you know that gets you hyped, and then despite the bins in the background, Will Osprey talking so passionately. <laughs> um, and then also mentioning all these guys who have gone to NXT, bringing in that reality, bringing mm. in the frustration of being an indie fan right now. You know, it had all those elements in the pot boiling, and it was, yeah, <laughs> they absolutely delivered athletically as well. Osprey just trying to kill himself as usual. Um, Walter just coming across like a gargantuan monster, and the two of them. That's they're so brilliant at what they do, and so when they came together, they they had such excellent chemistry, feeding off the fans who were <laughs> very very ready to just absolutely jump out of their shoes at every single moment, and not in like an annoying way, not in a forced way, but in like a way that that it feels earned, it feels crafted, it feels mm. uniquely Irish <laughs> in a way, and yeah, just all of that stuff was so special but i can't not give it the five like i i have no fear <laughs> it, it was that good it was that 
exciting. And I, I didn't give the five to Walter Devlin because I think the rematch is going to mm. be. <laughs> that's where you break else. out the six, Ali. You got your break that's out. Ali break breaks his star meter. Yeah. <laughs> I've got, I'm going to have to like ask the four L's like reserve a space on their floor for a sleeping bag. <laughs> so I can come in short notice when that match gets announced. We're probably still a, a few months off of that, but next year, 2019, I mean, other than Tanahashi Omega in the dome, uh, that is my, <laughs> my most hyped match to see. It's the biggest possible match you could put on, isn't it? It's crazy. Think of where think of where Devlin was. What eighteen months ago, mm. a year ago. It's it's crazy, and I think Walter as well. You know, Walter's someone who just over he's dominated indie wrestling, and you know, you mentioned the the four L's there. So Alan Farrell did a he kind of did a list of the biggest indie stars in the world by year, and he was saying it was Walter for this year, and I couldn't argue with it. He, he's built himself, and a European wrestler at that, you know, we're talking worldwide. He's built himself into that position, and I think I, I can understand going the, the full five on this because he's the probably the best in the world at his style, and I think Osprey's probably the best in the world at his style as well. So it's pure magic when you put them together, uh, and yeah, just, I think, again, it says something to you know the rise of European wrestling, but also the way OTT are packaging it as well. That yeah, Walter feels like the biggest wrestler in the world in OTT, and yeah, that inevitable rematch with Devlin feels like the the biggest possible match you could put on in uh, in European wrestling. And yeah, I'll uh, I'll certainly be checking out the Ryanair flights uh, when <laughs> even when that one gets announced. Yeah, definitely. I think we all are, aren't we? And they've done such a great job with this story. And I was listening to uh, Jordan Devlin on Flash Morgan Webster's podcast, and it, it seems that he was coming to OTT management with a lot of the ideas for um, a lot of this because he was saying, you know, uh, you know, babyface runs as champions, you know, fans can start turning on you. And it was his idea mm. to, you know, lose it to Walter and have this storyline going on. And they've done it perfectly, haven't they? I mean, before we get into the, any of the rest of the show, we're creeping up to the end of the year. And, um, you know, as I reiterate, the show might be called British Wrestling Experience, but we cover all of Europe. I mean, would you guys say <laughs> OTT? OTT. Yeah. <laughs> would you guys say OTT are the front runner for European promotion of the year? Because I know both of you are uh, WXW fans, Ollie. Yeah, I mean, after this last month, I think OTT have surged into the lead um, with that show and the stuff going on around it as well. Raven Creed, more than hype, um, you know. Scotty Davis, they're building up these talents so so well, and they're they're genuinely really over and putting in great performances every time out. So, I mean, that's a major boon for them as well as this these incredible run of main events that they're on. But I mean, just the three main events, or I guess four maybe if you count the tag, but um, of Devlin, ZSJ, uh, Devlin Walter, and now Walter Osprey with that tag as well against with Loki and David Starr thrown in there. I mean, that string of matches alone is probably enough to put them over the top. But there's just this big groundswell of Irish talent, which we've been wanting to see for ages, and they're coming through in a major way. I mean, that's really exciting as well. And it's it's cards that you wouldn't see anywhere else, and it's delivering really well in ring. So yeah. it, it's, it's certainly the promotion I'm most excited about, and the only one that I don't really have any major negatives about, other than the fact that they don't want us to talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of like, I think year-end, you, you can get like a, a bias, can't you? It's a thing that happened near the end of the year sometimes. Yeah. And I think OTT are peaking at the right time, delivering this, these big matches towards the end of the year. 
But so I you know I wouldn't want to forget the the big things that you know, WXW, you know, Carrot earlier in the year, you know, the big big moments that they've had throughout the year because they would be yeah the competition for me for being European promotion of the year. But I do think OTT just based on like Ollie said, what they've done with the Irish talent, the fact that it was a scene that basically didn't exist. Um, you know, me and you, Martin, will remember the dark days of Irish whip wrestling and <laughs> the fact that there wasn't much going on going on in Dublin. The fact that they've built themselves to this level, the fact that they're delivering matches as good as anywhere else in the world, a story that's as good as anywhere else in the world, and at the same time, yeah, you know, harnessing that that young talent, doing great numbers as far as the live shows go, and and just getting a real buzz about them. I think, yeah, it would really be hard to to maybe maybe WXW aside to to beat OTT to be a promotion of the year for this year. And uh, any other highlights from uh, the fourth anniversary show? I mean, Tim Thatcher v. Minoru Suzuki seems right in your uh, wheelhouse, Ollie. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed um, you know, all their facial expressions, especially like it. The the front row felt very intimate in within this match because it was a lot of um, you know grappling and stuff, and you could see see how they were feeling <laughs> during the match with a lot of pain etched on their face. Um, and I enjoyed uh, seeing our good friend Sarah from Sarah and Sarah reacting to everything and Minoru Suzuki like playing up to her, booing very loudly. <laughs> and that was really good. So there was a great dynamic in that match and it really popped off. Um, but just I think an actually, awkward spot on the card, wasn't it? For yeah, it was the only thing definitely. for me. It was like the atmosphere was there. But it just felt a bit weird coming on, you know, after a big match and being right before the main event. It felt a lot quieter than maybe I was hoping for was kind of my only critique on that match because that was something I was really looking forward to uh, as far as matches on this show. The one I enjoyed more was uh, Ishii versus Kushida with, again, Mm. another great video package beforehand. It made made it feel really in canon using that Kushida... post-match interview from new japan world where he says you know the, the japanese probably won't cover it at all but i'm wrestling ishii in ireland and it's a real really big deal to me that was mm. really exciting it was quite a sloppy match lots of like mini botches but i don't know i almost liked that a bit more because it felt like kashida was like trying to climb all over ishii trying to get anything like a real him. struggle yeah i don't really mind about about ishii matches because he's a bowling ball of a man and it sort of makes sense for him to sort of be sort of <laughs> um, you know, in- incoherent with his movements, but it was really, really enjoyable, and just the way he flattened Kashida and Kashida trying to get anything off against him made it made that weight difference feel meaningful and important, and I guess set up the the Walter Osprey weight difference really well as well. So OTT are going to be back in Dublin with Redemption on the 10th of November. Another uh, stacked lineup. We've got Jordan Devlin and his best mate, David Starr. Starr replacing the injured Osprey uh, to take on ring camp team of Walter and Tim Thatcher. And uh, we've also got the really inspired matchup of uh, Dan Barry against Trent Seven. That should be hilarious. And then uh, Tyler Bate against Scotty Davis. So um, another really interesting lineup for OTT there, Benno. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think it's a, a shame that Osprey had to has had to drop out of so many bookings recently, because um, that was, you know, the perfect next chapter in this story, wasn't it? But if you're going to do replacements, then David Starr makes so much sense. The big part of the story was that the Devil and Starr weren't taking uh, taking things very seriously. So to get to see them team up again, and I imagine they'll take it much more seriously against a different Walter team this time with Tim Thatcher. Uh, I think, yeah, that's going to be something really special uh, and yeah you know doing matches like that you know putting Scotty Davis in there with Tyler Bate is just something different um, and it allows you know 
again, OTT in this weird gray area where they can use New Japan talent and they can use WWE talent. They're doing it in the right way. You know, that's a that's a that's a good match to to build one of your own guys. Um, but then also that you know they'll deliver the, the big dream matches with the with the big New Japan talents as well. Uh, they've got the they've got the the best of it right now. OTT. So hopefully that continues because yeah, the, it feels like they're knocking out these huge cards uh, every month at this point. Yeah, nobody tell Triple H about Ireland. Like it just doesn't <laughs> exist. Yeah, exactly. And uh, moving away from uh, OTT now, and on the last show, myself and Benno reviewed the first episode of NXT UK and the second episode aired last Wednesday. And not much to talk about on this show, but one of the main highlights was uh, the promo by Zach Gibson. Obviously, he was one of the main stars of the Royal Albert Hall shows uh, the other year, and he called out Noam Dar. Uh, another great promo by Gibson here, Benno, uh, but not much else to really get excited about on this episode, I didn't think. It was a weird one as well because they kind of I did have a dubbed theme because the, the booze sounded piped in when he came but mm. it was I don't know if whether the fans were swearing or what, but it was just all very odd. Um but yeah, he was, you know, incredible. Um I'm not sure whether I liked or I hated Johnny Sake coming out and telling him to come back <laughs> to his office. Um him and Noam Dar. Like that was it was a bit like yeah, like your dad telling you off or like they didn't trust Johnny said to do a, an angle actually out there in the ring, so they just let it happen backstage where nobody could see it. That was a bit weird. He just kept that was kind of the hard thought. We got another uh, Eddie De- Dennis talking headpiece with him. He's definitely leaning into the heel character, isn't yeah. he? You know, talking about be. He mentioned being a school principal. Didn't like that head teacher. That's the word. Mm. Uh, he's talking about that, saying that you know he's basically putting himself over as the the grown up in the relationship with Mark Andrews and Pete Dunn, um, who still live with the parents, and kind of it does feel like we're going to get little bits of this Eddie Dennis character week on week, where we get to see him, you know, develop as this heel act. I'm not sure I'm doing another Mark Andrews feud so close to the progress uh, feud, if that's the way they're going. Uh, but, you know, Eddie Dennis is so good at that role. I'm sure he'll pull it off. So, yeah, they were kind of the highlights, really. The matches just felt like we've got a lot, a lot of matches in the can, so we've got to get them out there in some form. You know, El Aguero, Wild Boar was fine. You know, El Aguero is a decent baby face. He's a, he's a veteran. So it's a little bit weird when he gets presented as, as kind of like this, this underdog upstart baby face, but, and the L thing is weird that they've dropped that. And he is just Ligero now. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was just a match. Dakota Kai and killer Kelly was, was just a match to get over, you know, British legend, Dakota Kai, um, <laughs> Ashton Smith and Tucker was a match to get over, Ashton Smith for reasons. I don't really see it with him, um, but he looks like somebody they're trying to get behind as well. I enjoyed the Danny Birch promo. I thought the Wolfgang and Tyler bait match was just a match. Yeah, I thought but week one was definitely the stronger of the two weeks, and this week two was just a bit of a reminder of how much, just how much, how many matches they've got in the can, how much stuff they've already recorded. And we're going to get, a, I think we're going to get a lot of weeks like this where they're just maybe just shoveling matches out to, to air them and, and get us through. Cause yeah, you're right. Not a huge amount to write home about or, or break down as far as, as stories actually go. Yeah. It seems quite skippable unless there's a Pete Dunn tile defense, doesn't it really? Mm. I think that's, that's the world we're going to be in with, with this. It's, it's going to be about, you know, the atmosphere that like the crowds bring and the, and the different presentation that might be reason to, to go and check it out. But yeah, unless you've got a, a big match like that, then I mean, I, Personally, I skipped the regular NXT TV. I'll just wait for the takeovers, mm. and I can already feel kind of that attitude 
sneaking in here with, with NXT UK. We're only in week two. <laughs> uh, but then again, yeah. So maybe some of the character development with Gibson and, and Eddie Dennis will uh, will make things a, a little bit more interesting as we uh, we go into week three, which is, uh, is going to be on tonight. Well, um, sort of tied to this, uh, WWE Evolution pay-per-view from this past Sunday, not really in our uh, remit, but uh, the NXT Women's title was defended on the show in a dark match with a spoilers champion Rhea Ripley defeating Dakota Kai, and obviously this match was supposed to be on the main show, but WWE took so long in getting NXT UK to air that none of the tournament matches have actually been seen on the network so far. So uh, interesting that they'd already lined that up, and uh, I thought they'd scrap it all together, but it seems it was a dark match. But um, another note from Evolution, um, I mean, we've seen Tony Storm develop on the UK scene for the past few years, how, and how fantastic it was to see her defeat Io Shirai on such a huge stage. I mean, she comes so far. I remember seeing her in a all-mint green outfit for Southside <laughs> years ago, and a fantastic uh, Ollie to see Tony Storm, um, you know, on a huge stage here. Yeah, we've seen the genesis of the star act in Tony Storm, and this is sort of the ending of that. And as you say, sort of her very awkward first steps in Britress uh, compared to now, it's night and day. And the fact that that's only really happened in four years is is quite something. She's she's really done really well to get to this point. Um, obviously, as a person who doesn't really watch any WWE, this is almost kind of like saying goodbye almost. She's got, you know, the match against Melanie Gray in WXW coming up. Um, but, you know, I feel like she's not long for this world, so to speak. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. I think... I was watching the show just thinking, how can anyone watch Tony Storm and not think, let's put her on Raw every week? Yeah. She's got... I think I think she got a little bit of... I mean, I noticed from like the May Young Classic, people pushed back a little bit. They, I think maybe they went a little bit overboard in, in pushing her as the big baby face and the big next time star. But yeah, I think the, the semi-final and the final of performances there and just, yeah, how likable she is and how good she is in ring. You know, I was with you, Martin. I think the first time I saw her in that horrible green outfit was maybe <laughs> PCW three, four years ago. And again, you think of the big difference in an hour. Um, you know, I've, she's somebody who, you know... She's matured. Maybe she still is a little bit young to to maybe be, you know, throwing out on Raw every week and then dealing with the maybe the politics of that. Maybe it's a safer space to to keep someone, you know, like her at a young yeah. age on an NXT UK. Maybe that's the argument for for not going the whole hog with her. But yeah, if I was Vincent Man and just imagining Vincent Man, I can't imagine much <laughs> of that pay per view and not you know straight away thinking Raw superstar or SmackDown superstar. I think Ollie is right. She's not long for for our world, the the, the British indie world. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see whether they do go all that way with her or continue to go down the line of making her just the flagship star of of NXT UK because I do think she's got a lot more to offer than that. And a couple of news items before we head out here. Um, it was in the Observer recently that uh, WXW uh, seemingly getting in bed with WWE and having uh, a similar deal to what Progress have got. I mean, uh, that seems to be bearing fruit because they've even got uh, Axel Dieter Jr. coming back in December. I mean, Ollie, WXW, uh, you know, one of your favourite promotions. How do you feel about them, uh, you know, maybe <laughs> signing up with WWE here? Uh, well, if you ever read or listened to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, this is basically the bit of the beginning where they're trying to build up the intergalactic superhighway through, and you don't really have much of a choice. <laughs> they're going to blow you up, but you can either uh, go peaceful, you know, work work with them, or just get crushed, and that's sort of what's happening here. Um, you know, more details are coming out. Um, I guess my big takeaway from it is, um, you know, with 
them separating the companies out and ending shotgun um it seems like they're sort of making plans to um sort of main keep the tape that they've got as wwe does what it will with the tape in the future that's all you know up in the air right now but we'll see what happens with that i guess mm. more importantly for me what's going to happen to wxw now now that uh shotgun is over they're changing up their plans with uh like the road to broken rules shows they're going to be basically doing one-off shows more often and the weekly shows never (laughs) um and that sort of does change things up for wxw now and you have to again in this environment where where there's all sorts of subscription services vying for your attention you have to weigh up what value wxw now has to you now with your with your eight pounds something 11 euros um that you're paying every month for it what they're trying to do is essentially position it as sort of like a euro wrestling network now they've added these eight new promotions um to wxw now probably the highlights being i mean czw isn't europe but <laughs> one of the bigger ones uh they've got wrestling cult what white wolf wrestling probably um the biggest buzz surrounding that yeah. um i know Arn and uh mike kilby and jp covered um body slam wrestling from denmark as well <laughs> maybe but I think really the point here is it has to not be a novelty and it has to be sort of the backbone of what they're doing now because you have to justify the loss of WXW now and those promotions really have to be updated regularly. It can't be, you know, a once a month thing for yeah. and the show from three months ago. It has to be relevant stuff coming out every week um, from these from these new promotions. And if they manage to do that, and if that manages to be relevant and cool, then WXW now will be relevant and cool still as well. But <laughs> if it's still, it it can't be a novelty forever, you know. Yeah. So that'll be something to look for in 2019. What way? How? What turn? What happens with WXW now, um, and how they continue presenting their product without Shotgun? It's not relevant to me now. I would say WXW now because I can just get high spots and watch the shows there, and get a lot more you know supplementary contract uh, content from other promotions so yeah i don't know maybe that maybe they can do more in that regard but yeah i don't see why you would especially if it depends on whether you want to give money to the evil wwe corporation because that's got to be the way it's going hasn't it there's all there's rumor in wwe stock calls about you know talking to their investors about you know that they're not even hired anymore they're gonna be doing another tier for the network and in surveys that they've done, WXW have been outright named as there's the potential people that could be on that next mm-hmm. platform along with ICW and Progress. That's probably what's going to happen. And once you do that, yeah, I, I wonder, you know, how how exactly uh, you, you justify also playing for yeah. WXW think, now, unless... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I think more and more the, the downer ending to Tag League seems on purpose. <laughs> Maybe that's, yeah, that's what they're doing. And it's like, you know, you mentioned before, you've got, you kind of got to get, you're either going to get mowed down by WWE or you've got to go along with it. And it does feel like WXW, again, this is all rumor and conjecture, isn't it? But going along yeah, with it's it. Just but it feeling, feels the feeling. The Axel Dieter Jr. thing is something I've seen people celebrating on Twitter who are made up to see him back in WXW, and I wouldn't begrudge anybody that, but it does feel like, remember when the CWC got announced to the Cruiserweight Classic, and, oh, it was great that Progress got to do a one-off WWE match. Mm-hmm. Progress wrestlers were going to be on the network just this one time, and it was all so positive, and then the negatives have happened with the, you know, the 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 fact that it's not the primary focus of, of the owners anymore progress the storylines kind of went down the tube a little bit um and if the end goal of this wxw thing relationship whatever it is with wwe is nxt germany which again has been mooted as a, as a possibility 
I wonder, does any of the, you know, the WXW employees end up doing the, end up, you know, in the employ of NXT Germany? How They've much got does the that infrastructure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, the, the obvious thing you'd go for, wouldn't you? It would explain why they, they split the companies. You know, it's another reason to have the video library separate from the actual company itself. Uh, I would hope that, yeah, hopefully we're not going down that, that same road with WXW where, you know, a lot of focus and attention gets pulled away to a potential NXT Germany because, yeah, WXW has been the, uh, very much a highlight of, of European wrestling the last few years. Uh, I trust them to be able to balance it, but hopefully, uh, yeah, some lessons have been learned by the, the bad way Progress have done it and the, the awful way Evolve have done it as well. Half of their champions work for WWE now, so, yeah, don't want to see them go down that route. Uh, maybe they can do it in a, in a more in a more balanced way if that is the future. And um, just moving on here before we head out of here, um, the former Neville Pack is finally making his return to the ring in the UK. I mean, uh, earlier this week we had a flood of pack related announcements. First up were a uh, big league wrestling in Yeovil announcing Pack was going to be facing off in a freeway against Dean Mark and Jake McCluskey at their event on the 18th of November. And as much as I think that's going to be a great match, uh, it had a lot of people scratching their heads. Uh, you know, this is Pack's big UK return. And then this opened the floodgates as OTT and Red Pro announced Pack would be appearing for them in Portsmouth for Red Pro on the 22nd of November and uh, undisclosed date for OTT, but we'd, you would assume that's going to be maybe in December. Uh, so not like the biggest announcements for Pack, but it seems uh, Dragon Gate's his main priority and he'll be back in the UK sort of the end of November and into December and he said, oh, he's, he's the dates I'm available for. Um, so, I mean, we've got all these promotions announcing him and, um, I mean, Ollie, what are your thoughts on his first match back and uh, who were some of the guys you'd like to see him face off against in LT? and Red Pro, because I'm assuming if he's going to be mainly in Japan, he can't be involved in many stories. Yeah, the OTT and Rev Pro matches are obviously the big tickets here, and we don't we don't actually know when the OTT match is happening yet, do we? Is no. it December or in 2019? But yeah, I mean, the fact that he is back on the scene, getting these big announcements, that is pretty awesome. Um, I'm not too sure exactly what matches we're going to get. Obviously, in OTT. You have to stick him against Walter and add to that story of, you know, Walter slaying the indie stars. Um, you know, that'd be ridiculous. And I'm sure the, the fans would take to him as well as they took to Osprey. Um, in Rev Pro, probably you couldn't match him up against New Japan guys, or maybe you could in this Wild West world. I, <laughs> I really don't know. But yeah, I think what you really want to see is him versus Walter um, in the Tivoli or in the National Stadium, wherever they end up. I kind of, be, being honest, I want to see him against Dean Ormark and Jake McCluskey. I don't know what he's <laughs> complaining about. Um, but yeah, those big matches are kind of what, what you want, isn't it? I think, uh, I mean, for, 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 for Neville, I kind of, for Park, I kind of like him as a as a character as much as I do a wrestler in, in 2018 slash 2017, the last time we saw him. So I would like to see him in more story-based stuff to get his teeth into. But yeah, I think with the, with the Dragon Gate commitments and the spotty bookings he seems to be taking at the moment, I think we're going to get a slew of just big pack matches and that's definitely nothing to sniff at. Yeah, I think if we get that Walter match in OTT, we get a Devlin match, we get an Osprey match somewhere, anywhere, I'll take it anywhere. Um, <laughs> that's what we want, isn't it? That's the kind of stuff I think we're going to get for the, the first couple of months and then maybe we'll get something if he if he you know beds himself at home in, in Rev Pro or it happens to be Defiance or it happens to be OTT, then we'll get something that maybe he can uh, sink his teeth into and do a bit more long term. But 
yeah, it does feel like we're going to very much get the the winter of uh, of Dream Pack matches, and yeah, Jake McCluskey is right at the top of that list. Well, um, I think it's because um, you know, obviously, he left in sort of like 2012. Sort of like these new promotions were all rising up, and so there are a, a load of matches you could see him have. Obviously, you guys have mentioned the biggest ones to have there, and uh, obviously, sadly, Ospreys are injured for seemingly the rest of the year, so we're not going to get that one in a hurry but um, then moving on to OTT if he's not face off against Walter and Devlin I'd love to see him against someone like Sean Guinness think them two would have a a cracking match and then there's tons of names so there's like you know there's a whole host of names that he he could you know have have potential uh, matches against so it'll be interesting to see you know these uh, dream matches quote unquote towards the end of the year and then maybe he could get involved in more storyline stuff moving into 2019 and um couple more announcements that um inside the ropes who previously done evening with events with the likes of paul Heyman and goldberg have announced that the undertaker of all people is going to be appearing for them in the uk on the 30th of april and the first and second of may and the variety of ticket prices uh with the cheapest meet and greet option being 220 pounds and uh obviously this is quite the scoop for inside the ropes and you can't imagine the dead man's coming cheap, so these prices aren't aren't that surprising. But um, I'm guessing this is too rich for your blood, uh, Benno. Yeah, I think <laughs> I was thinking of selling a kidney, but I decided against it. Uh, I mean, fair play. I mean, you're right. I think I don't. From what I've read about it, I don't think in, inside the ropes are obviously a company who've done shows like this for the last few years. Uh, Kenny McIntosh does seem like a like someone who delivers what he advertises, and I think. Undertaker, like you say, won't have come cheap, and I don't think they're making the millions off this. I think the prices did raise my eyebrow. I think the what are the most expensive, like four or five hundred pounds? Five hundred, yeah, like I think. Yeah. Jesus, I mean, if you're a big Undertaker fan and you want to pay that, then fair play to you. Um, but it, I think the defense on the inside of the rope side has been well. You know, if you get like a those meet and greet you get with like a John Cobb Van Damme or Arnold Schwarzenegger does over here sometimes and people pay that much money uh, it's once in a lifetime stuff uh, and if you're really that big a fan I think people are going to pay it and yeah Undertaker's not going to come cheap I think it's the only scenario where you get something like this and yeah I think it's similar to you know the Joey Janela's uh, spri- you know that spring break they're going to announce for Wrestlemania next year which the pricing for that was really high and then it sold out and it's kind of like, well, if the demand's there and people are going to be willing to pay it, then it, who are we to say it's too expensive? And, and I do think this is going to sell out, you know, the, the three dates that they've got regardless. Um, and I think there are people out there who are going to, who are going to pay that money. But yeah, can't say that I, uh, I count myself as, as one of them, uh, unless somebody wants to uh, throw us a freebie. <laughs> And uh, lastly, a new promotion, WrestleGate, who were holding their first event on the 26th of January at the Rushcliffe Arena in Nottingham. This is a usual haunt of Southside. have announced that DDT Wrestler uh, will be appearing them for their second event in March. I mean, with so many promotions trying to stand out from the pack, uh, announcing DDT Wrestlers is uh, something quite different here, Ollie, if you'd like to tell us who they're bringing <laughs> over. Yeah, Konosuke Takashita, uh big announcement for them really and like that you know they've been announcing people previously like mil muertes and bad bones and like guys you kind of have seen before and like i don't know not really moving the needle with anyone in particular with takashita they're you know targeting specific people (laughs) who know ddt follow ddt love ddt um even though he didn't do too well in the general election uh yesterday um you know he's still a big focal point in 
the DDT world, he's essentially the equivalent of Tyler Bate. Basically, he's 23 years old. They're grooming him to be, well, he's basically already the ace, but he's kind of like the future ace um, to what Harashima is now. Um, and yeah, he's a very exciting wrestler. He's got that Tanahashi-esque look with the barrel chest and the bishi-bishi good looks um, and the great wrestling, of course. So, I mean, it's certainly a very unique guy to bring in and it's going to it's gonna pull in people. Um and it, it's someone who, you know, doesn't get announced every day. So I think it is a very uh, good get for WrestleGate as they try and build something there. I mean, juries are very much still out on, like, their branding and what they're going to be presenting. Um, but at least I don't think they're bringing in Takashita for their first show. So yeah, you can at least second one, yeah. Yeah, so you can sort of see what they're going to be doing and what the, pre- what the promotion is in the first show, <laughs> see if it's worth going to for Takashita in the second show. I mean, Mike Bailey, has, uh, we, we have him on record as having said that his, he believes that Takashita is the best wrestler in the world. So if he's good enough for Mike Bailey, he's good enough for you. <laughs> and uh, Benno, I suppose the big story coming out of this is that, um, you know, you can't throw a stone without hitting a British wrestling promoter. And uh, like, with so many around, you have really got to be, you know, a niche within a niche, haven't you, to appeal to people? That's it, yeah, you've got to make yourself stand out. And we started to started the show talking about Attack, and that's what's, you know, different about them. You know, they've got their own USP, and people people will check them out for that reason. And you've got to, yeah, you've got to have something, because promotions are just 10 a penny at the moment, so opening up absolutely everywhere. And, yeah, doing things like that, like WrestleGator doing, bringing in unique names. I think they've got Kikataro on a show as well, coming mm-hmm. up to the former Everson. Uh, it makes sense to kind of, yeah, you know, set your stall out and, and grab attention uh, and make yourself look a little bit different. It's like that. What's that promotion running out of Sheffield that are, that are starting soon? The no, Bree uh, Pro Wrestling. Yeah, Bree Pro Wrestling. Yeah, they're doing a similar thing where they, they seem to be bringing over, maybe on a much lower level, they're bringing over you know, young you know, WXW talent, German talent that people might not get to see elsewhere uh, and trying to do their kind of unique thing and make themselves different because there's only so many promotions you, where you can watch the the same wrestlers, you know, in different combinations, wrestle each other, and there's only so much room, and everyone's only got so much money. So, you know, fair play to for, to WrestleGate for for trying to do something different. Um, but I, I guess yeah, the jury is out on on how it will actually look. Uh, the branding's interesting to say the least right now. Uh, is it Puro? Is it Lucha Libre? No one's quite sure. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll we'll see. And they're, they're certainly yeah, getting people's attention with it. If it's anything like progress, it can be that plus uh comedy wrestling and big lads wrestling and strong style wrestling according to some (laughs) that's a very niche reference (laughs) that will probably already be dated and um you can head to the uh post wrestling forum give your feedback on the show any questions you might have for us and uh before we head out of it benno you made your big debut for fighting spirit magazine uh fantastic read picked up the issue in wh smith's and uh Huge congratulations, pretty big deal as it's uh, one of the biggest wrestling magazines out there. Oh, thanks. Yeah, only did, I did the uh, the profile of uh, Sheikh El Shamu, who's a, a wrestler based out of Preston. Uh, he works for PCW. He's got a, a very unique story. So, yeah, I was happy to write that up. Um, I should have a, a couple more profiles coming over the next couple of months to check out as well. But, yeah, you can buy that at WH Smith, but don't buy it for me. Buy it for the Shawn Michaels cover story. There's a, a great bit on ITV World of Sports. There's uh, some questions with uh, with Andy Quilden in there as well, talking about his favorite venues in wrestling too. Uh, available at all good WH 
Mitch Smith, you can get it there. Um, check it out. There you go. There's the plug. Uh, but yeah, very glad to do that. It was uh, definitely an honour to uh, to go to the shop and uh, and buy a copy of Fighting Spirit magazine with myself in. Uh, so yeah, I would uh, certainly uh, recommend people uh, do that too. Fantastic. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading the whole issue. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. I'll be on holiday for the next episode of the show. I'm uh, going with my wife to the home of post wrestling, Toronto in Canada. Um, my wife always wanted to go to Canada, so looking forward to that. Tons of stuff planned, Niagara Falls, all the usual stuff. Raptors against Pelicans and uh, some kind of Santa Claus parade while we're there. So I'll be coming back feeling all festive and of course, Ollie and Benno will be back on the 14th of November uh, with all the latest from European wrestling. <laughs>